Welcome back to the Athlete Hackers podcast. My name is Chris Schrade. And I'm Mark Spellman. I hope everybody's doing well. Um, Today we've got a very special guest coming from us from Central Connecticut State University, the recruiting coordinator and assistant coach to the baseball team, Pat Hall, also the director of the Connecticut Blue Jays. Pat, uh, before we get started, uh, Mark was just telling us that he wants to touch on a couple of our past podcasts. Uh, so feel feel free to chime in whenever you'd like, and then then we'll get started on some some baseball stuff. First and foremost, Pat, thanks for joining us. Uh, secondly, um, how we're going to start probably our podcast from now, just reviewing our uh, latest podcast episodes. The first one uh, has to deal with Nikki uh, Stanton and Goody. The main main takeaway I'll take from that one was to continue to show up and never let a coach telling you no deter you from your dreams and achieving your goals. It's a great podcast. Pat, did you happen to hear that one? I did not. Professional soccer player. Um, she got message that uh, there was a particular team looking for her position. She showed up at practice, practiced for two months, not knowing if she was on the team and without a contract, and then got signed. Oh, yeah, boy. basically just kept showing up every day <laughs> and putting in the work. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. And now, you know, she's a eight-year eight year professional soccer player playing in Norway. Um, the other one had to deal with recovery, nutrition, and hydration. And the main thing I'll take away from that one was, you know, as an athlete, if you want to show your coaches uh, your commitment to your sport, these are three things that you can take control of and be responsible for. Your, your recovery level, your hydration level, and your proper nutrition. The other thing that I'll say, a lot of people right now are telling people that they're overtraining. And I don't think people, most people do not overtrain. I think they just under recover. So take the last five to 10 minutes of your training session and make sure you're doing some sort of recovery and make sure that you're planning an off day and a recovery day every week in your training session. So those are the major takeaways from the last podcast I have. With that being said, let's get rolling with Pat Hall, my man. Pat, you want to go through a little bit of uh, your background? Um, you've got quite an extensive list, and I wouldn't do it any justice. So uh, give a little bit, bit of your background, you know, starting maybe from junior uh, Juco. Yeah, no, I would St. Joe's in, uh, in Trumbull, um, then, then proceeded to go to Houstonic Community College, which had a very good baseball program for years. Uh, Ed Sylvia was kind of the guy who, who started that program and led it for many years, went to a bunch of college World Series. Um, and then I, I actually took a few years, about a year and a half off, and then went back to school at the University of Bridgeport, um, where I met the, uh, the beautiful Chris Schrade. Um, and a bunch of other guys that still keep in contact with. Um, that was, a, I think, pretty much a turning point in, in, um, in my life. I, I met my wife there, and, and uh, we have two children, and uh, started my coaching career there. Um, you know, spent four years at, at University of Bridgeport, then one year at New Haven. Um, spent four and a half years at Fairfield University, and this was going on my 12th season at Central Connecticut. Awesome. You guys, uh, you guys got a couple banners in your, uh, in, on your field, don't you? Yeah. You know, we've, we've had a pretty good run at it. And, um, you know, from a, from a resource standpoint, um, scholarship wise, we, we've got support from the administration. So that's, 
that's been a very positive thing as far as being able to go out and get um, the players. And then, and then obviously it comes down to the players and, and how they want to prepare and what type of battery they have to, to work every day. Um, you know, at the mid-major level, I think it's very important that you find, uh, find the kids that the, the game is, is really, really important to them and they'll put in the extra work before and the extra work after. And what they do in the weight room um, has been a huge part of our success um, over the years, you know. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to have good chemistry, good preparation, and then, uh, and then when it's time to step on the field, usually uh, more times than not, it takes care of itself. Are the players holding up right now not having a season? Yeah, I mean, they're a little beat up, um, you know, I would say mentally and physically as far as being able to be around their their closest friends. I mean, you know, we, we say it all the time. We, we spend more time with our um, with our players than we do our own family in season. And um, when you don't have the opportunity to go out and do that, um, it affects them. I mean, they're getting used to the online learning a little bit. I think some of that has been implemented anyway over the years with online classes. Um, it's a little bit different for the freshmen because they've never really dealt with that stuff. So it's a little bit more difficult for them. Um, but I think we're getting through it. Good. Uh, what are they doing? If you, do you have any insight to what the players are doing on an individual basis to stay sharp? Um, yeah, I mean, there's only so much we can um, talk to them about. So they, they were given a, a program from a strength standpoint, um, from our strength and conditioning coach, Mike Piper, who does a very good job with those guys. Um, not as good as your Fairfield guy. That's right. Not, <laughs> not as good as Coach Spellman, that's for sure. Um, Just kidding. And then, you know, I think from a playing standpoint, there hasn't been a whole heck of a lot for them to do. Um, you know, so I kind of had told the pitchers to, to shut it down. Um, no sense of throwing a whole lot. They can play catch, you know, a couple times a week, maybe do long tosses, just continue keeping their body, but they don't need to ramp it up on the mound. You know, the hitters are always going to want to go out and hit, find a field, um, do that stuff. We have a few guys that are um, looking to hopefully, you know, either sign as a free agent and be picked in the draft this year. I mean, with the draft going down to only five rounds, it's, it's a little bit more difficult um, to actually be, be, be one of those top five picks in the draft. So, you know, I think they're continuing to try to work. There's a bunch of kids throughout the state of Connecticut that are in the same situation. So, you know, kids might be throwing to, to our hitters and so on and so forth. So, um, but I think they're trying to keep busy the best way they can. Yeah. Um, now you're the director of the Connecticut Blue Jays. Uh, take us through that a little bit. That's uh, AU. What ages uh, does that cover? Yeah, we have, we have ages uh, 12 all the way up to 18. Um, it's a youth program that uh, Kevin Huber, who is a University of Bridgeport uh, graduate, um, he's the, he coached at Fairfield. He also coached at Yale. Um, and now he's a baseball coach and he's a dean up at uh, Salisbury School uh, Prep School. So, you know, we put this thing together and, and um, you know, I think it's been very difficult for them as well for those ages because they don't really know how to deal with the, the stress or the anxiety that comes along with not being able to go out. Um, they've never really dealt with this type of adversity. Um, 
So I think it's a little more difficult. And it, it sounds as if Governor Lamont is, is going to allow baseball. I heard last night, again, in the, uh, in the second phase, should be able to play starting June 20th. I think he's going to come out with some more guidelines regarding that. But um, it's awfully important for the psyche um, of these younger, um, the younger generation. It's, it's so important, I believe, from a mental standpoint. And Not got, just a physical standpoint. You got a wide range there, you know, starting with the 12 year olds and then going up, you know, through, through high school. Um, you know, like you said, it's, it's difficult for them because it's more, more probably the younger ones than the older ones. But um, at, at this point, a lot of their development is probably coming from playing games. They don't know how to really go out in the yard yet and, you know, break apart a skill work so that they're, you know, breaking down the game and understanding what they need to work on and doing those individual skill work uh, uh, type of programs. Um, so uh, touch on that a little bit. Is that where you were going? Like with, with them most, mostly getting their learning from the experience of playing in a game? Yeah, that's a good point, Chris. Um, you know, I think that you know, as you're older, you can get into a car and drive more. You could do different things to try to get yourself somewhere. And, and you've, you've learned different uh, things and drills along the way where you're 12, 13, 14 years old. It might be a little bit more difficult. Um, yeah, and I, and, I, and I think that, you know, some of these kids have been able to get down to the ballpark, um, you know, under five people and be able to take ground balls and that type of stuff. Um, you know, I, I, I do think that we're going to probably practice for two weeks or 10 days prior to playing our first game to get their feet back underneath them, um, to make sure that they're in some sort of throwing or running shape. Um, you know, I think swinging a bat, obviously, you know, it's a type of movement that can cause some type of injury, but throwing the ball without any type of training or running and getting your legs underneath it is going to be extremely important to get these younger guys getting get them up and going. I got a couple things for you, Pat. Um, I've talked to a bunch of coaches um, over the last couple months. And, you know, with like baseball, basketball, and football, these athletes really don't get any time off you know, and probably you look at your seniors, they probably haven't had an extended time off in the last probably 10 years of their playing career. So what, uh, I mean, with a lot of the strength and conditioning coaches, I pose the question, what are we going to do as coaches if these athletes come back and they're actually healthy for the first time? Because they've had, this is the first time really for a baseball player that they've had two months off. I mean, you look at, like, probably your seniors, they've probably been playing baseball year-round since they were 16, maybe. So, like, take me through that. Like, you know, hopefully hopefully you have a season in the fall. I mean, hopefully the schools are back open in the fall. What are you and the rest of the staff looking at for your athletes when they first come back? You know, I don't know if we do it different. Or, or we do it the same as everybody else. But, um, we, you know, what I've been trying to do with our pitchers the last few years, and it's been fairly successful, is that um, I will not have them pitch um, very limited in the summer. Um, 
if they throw a certain amount of innings for us during the year. Um, so I've been trying to give them the time off a little bit. So to your point, I think it's so, so important to be able to do that because, you know, a couple, two, three years ago, we were running into some injuries that I, I thought could be prevented by um, paying closer attention to what they do on a, you know, on a, on a daily on a monthly, on a yearly basis. I mean, I always say it, there's only so many bullets in the arm before something's going to go, you know. And from a positional standpoint, you know, um, I think the rest that we're going to see these, you know, bodies have is going to be extremely important from an injury standpoint. I've always said, and in, 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 in just for instance, our conference to talk a little bit about what, <clears throat> what you're bringing up is we had no – historically played a four-game series on the weekend. So we played one Friday, two seven-inning games Saturday, nine-inning games Sunday, right? And then we would play Tuesday and we'd take Monday off, Tuesday and or Wednesday, Thursday practice, and then kind of hit the repeat button. And this past year, um, it was voted that we went to three games. And the rest that we were able to have um, we played one game Friday, one game Saturday, one game Sunday. The injuries that we saw in 2018 and 2016 and some other years based off of you're playing in 38-degree weather at times, um, you know, and from a <clears throat> recovery standpoint, um, our injuries were down a large amount last year compared to previous years, and I think that has to – do a lot with what you're saying about they're going to come back healthy. Um, so maybe we think about, you know, instead of giving them one day a week off, maybe we should be giving them two days a week off. Does yeah, that make more, sense? More, more, more isn't always better. I mean, more is just more. Yeah. You know, I think you, I think you, you probably heard me say this at Fairfield, you know, doing more of something wrong is just doing more of something wrong. Doing more of something wrong doesn't make it right. <laughs> For sure. Pat, um, through the – if this changes, if you could go through the different age groups, um, first of all, what, what are the rules for pitchers? I know – I think there's something in there where they've got to take a couple games or days off once they do pitch. And uh, what's the number of pitches between practice and a game uh, in season that a, a pitcher will typically throw? Yeah, no, I, I think it's um, it's all about routine. routine. So, um, you know, when you have a guy that may just pitch um, once a week as a starter, which happens a lot in college, um, and it's starting to happen with, with new rules in high school that they've, they've put in um, so that you can't pitch a kid on two days rest and have him throw seven innings and then, Two days later, I haven't thrown another seven innings. They've, they've put in a pitch count there at the high school level um, with days off. You know, I don't see that being that much of an issue at the college level anymore. Um, guys, coaches aren't doing that. They're not just running guys out there like they might may have in the past. Um, I think having a routine, like we'll, we'll, we'll set up a routine where if a guy throws on Saturday, um, he'll do certain stuff on Sunday. Um, Monday, he may long toss. Um, Tuesday, he might throw what we call um, a short box, which is just kind of like a flat ground, touch and feel type thing. 
Um, you know, Wednesday or Thursday, he'll throw a bullpen. It kind of depends on what works best for that athlete. Um, I went through it a few years ago. This is maybe four years ago with the pitchers is I want them to feel the best on their game day. So then we kind of go backwards from there. If, if you're, if you feel great throwing your bullpen on Thursday for Saturday, well then let's go then. But if you feel better on Wednesday or even Tuesday, I have one guy that throws a bullpen for Tuesday on Friday. And he threw uh, 90 innings um, in 19 when we went to when we won the championship. And then this past year, he had a .43 ERA through three or four starts. Um, so, you know, I think it's all about figuring out what you're at when your athlete is in his could be in his prime position to pitch, and then kind of go backwards from there. And not everybody has to have the same exact program. Just as a gauge, though, what um, what's what's the what's a college pitcher? How many balls? How many how many how many throws is he making in in a week, including the game? Including games. So I usually have our guys if they're going to go out once a week and they're being successful, right? If they're pitching well, they're going to pitch in that hundred to one hundred and fifteen range on game day. Um, but they're also going to you know they're also going to throw, you know, prior to stepping on the game mound. Um, you know, they're probably going to throw 25 in the bullpen. They're probably going to, you know, long toss. So let's call it another 25 between long toss and playing catch. That's 50. That's, you know, call it 160 with the game on game day. Okay. Right. And then, you know, we probably take one day a week off totally. Um, our bullpens are between 25 and 30 pitches, 20 to 30 pitches. You know, if I was to guess at it, you'd probably say a pitcher throws throws the baseball probably somewhere between 350 and 400 times a week. And probably half of those are game speed, whether it's in the bullpen when he finally is warm up and he's getting to that uh, game speed pitch. Uh, would you say half of that is, you know, for lack of a better term, full, full blast? Um, I would say – uh slightly less than that because even when our bullpens um we do them about 75 percent you know we're kind of just pulling the throttle back a little um just because you know with so many injuries that have happened over the years um with the tommy john and you know the depth at the mid-major level or even for the younger kids right i mean the idea of doing this whole thing is health you know, and, and trying to find a way to make sure that they're healthy. Um, because if you're not healthy, you can't pitch. So, um, but I would say probably more like 35% of those are, are probably getting up and going, leaning on them pretty good. Are the younger kids up in that range too, in, in, in terms of the number of pitches? Um, no, the younger kids aren't, um, you know, I, I would say, that 16 through 18 year old group is good. You know, they're probably good for between, you know, on game day between 80 and a hundred. The thing you have to watch out for, especially not, not, not necessarily this year, but in every previous year is that what kids did in high school, right? So you're trying to pay attention to how many innings they threw in high school, how much they threw. um, And then being able to kind of set the program up, for your, for your summer kids based off of what they've already done. Uh, so, you know, I would say most 
high school kids probably throw in their start, you know, because it's a seven inning game instead of a nine inning game. Um, maybe they throw 70 to 90 pitches, mm-hmm. um, comparably speaking to it, to an older guy that's, you know, more developed physically, has been in the weight room more, is stronger, you could probably push him a little bit more than you can the younger guy. And then, you know, the 12, 13, 14-year-olds, um, you know, that's just – you got you to gotta start feeling that out, and that could be, you know, 60 to 80 pitches, um, maybe, you know, once a week. You know, and then have him maybe throw a bullpen in a game. Instead of throwing his bullpen on the side, he can throw one inning in a game. So if he threw on Saturday, maybe he could throw in a game on Wednesday and then throw the following Sunday. You just kind of set it up that way. Hey, Mark, um, chime in with, uh, from a strength and conditioning standpoint, you know, that kind of progressive age group going from, you know, 15, 16-year-olds up into the college age, taking into account the number of pitches that they're progressively going to throw. What, uh, you know, what's, where, where do you stand? You know, where, where does the development come in? Does it come in just from throwing? Does it come in from strength and conditioning? Uh, does it come in from getting the right amount of rest? You know, how does someone progress to that college um, uh, volume without getting hurt? Well, I think, I think first and foremost, the one, two of the, things that Pat said and I love that he said them first and foremost you got to work back from the game I mean you got to make sure that these these athletes can perform at their sport and you got to you got to work back from that secondly it was you got to do what's best for the athlete and I actually want to talk with Pat about you know yeah you, you give these pitchers some autonomy as far as what they think works best for them but at what point as a coach do you have to come in and be like, this, 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 this plan that you have for you isn't really working for you because it's not translating over to the field. But like, you know, I think nowadays as, as a coach, you got to meet, first and foremost, you got to meet the athlete where they're at and, 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 and do what's best for them and work back from the game because that's the most important. And then secondly, you know, come up with a plan with these athletes. I mean, the time where, you know, the coach dictates, dictate, dictates to the players on what they're going to do when we all played sports, that time's pretty much gone. Like, the athletes now have to have a say in what they're doing. Well, they, they don't need to, but it makes, it, it makes for a much easier way to coach them, to give them some autonomy to the um, process. But, like, you know, you look at what they're doing on the field and whatever we're doing in the weight room has to support that. You know, I can't, I can't take, if, they, if they're having a, a large volume day uh, as far as uh, throwing, I can't come in and then kill them in the weight room. You know, I need to make sure that they, that they get what they need done in a manner so that they're ready for the game. Specifically for pitchers, does that mean their upper body or can you train lower on days like that? Or it's just, a, it's an energy thing where they've expended everything and you don't want to tax that. Well, it's a conversation you have to have with them. I mean, it's like, okay, so, you know, one of the, one of the things that a lot of strength coaches use that uh, don't have technology, they just use a RPE scale, you know, give me, 
give me on a scale of one to 10 where you're at as far as that practice. And then like, if you take, if you take that scale and then multiply it by the minutes that they trained, then you come up with their workload. So then you can get like their workload for the week and you can sit down with the actual coach of the team and be like, you know, this is their workload for the pitchers this week. This is what we've got. This is what they've done with you. This is what they've done with me. And we need to make sure that they're at a point on game day that they're able to perform at their highest level possible. Pat, do you see that happening uh, with you, the, that, that kind of connection between uh, the coaches and the strength and conditioning squad? Oh, yeah, it's huge. I think it's huge. Um, so myself and Coach Piper, um, you know, we have a very good relationship. and We communicate on when guys are throwing and, and what their program looks like and, you know, when, we're, when he's going to um, pick up the volume um, from a leg standpoint and from an upper, upper body standpoint. We're, we're uh, you know, I, I would say that we're squad heavy. Um, and, and I'm, I'm okay. Like, I don't, I don't try to get involved with, um, you know, everything down there, you know, he's a professional. He's not coming out to tell me what I'm supposed to do with the pictures. So I'm not going down there to tell him what he's going to do from a strength coach standpoint, you know, and I think coach Erickson who runs the department is, is both of them are very knowledgeable on, on how they go about their business. And, at the end of the day, they're first, you know, and foremost, they're trying to keep everybody safe and get them stronger mm-hmm. and keep them athletic, you know. And we've been able to, um, you know, communicate back and forth so that they've been able to stay healthy. Um, their lower half, I think, from a pitching standpoint and from a, from a defensive standpoint is extremely important because – you know, playing 56 games in what we're going to call two months, you know, two and a half months um, with practice, with going to school and all that stuff. If your legs go, you've got an issue. Your mind's going to go and then it's, yeah. then it's, you know, you're not going to have a lot of success. I think to both of your points about uh, the athletes giving feedback, that's a whole evolution beyond when we played in college. And I think it's for the better, but it puts a lot more accountability on the athlete to understand uh, the, the body and the science behind general biology and, and the science behind strength and conditioning training. Um, you know, if, if you're an athlete and you don't understand any of that stuff, it's almost becoming a prerequisite, just like your skill training and just like your strength and the conditioning training. I think. I think, you know, as, as, as athletes come into college, they, they're not really going to have a say, uh, uh, that much of a say as what they're doing in the weight room. But as they get to their, you know, junior and senior year, you can give them that autonomy because they should know their body by that point. Well, I think, I think what I was trying to get to is just being able to give feedback to the coaches about how you're feeling. I think that's probably more important than actually, I mean, you should be listening to your coaches. I mean, I guess to your point, they, they should know it to a point where they could be autonomous, especially when they're not in school or not around the strength coach. Um, They're going to have to do it at some point anyways, but they've got to be able to know their bodies and be able to give feedback to you guys. I think it's, I think it's so true you know what you're both saying 
about um, them having input. Um, you know, evolving as a coach um, is extremely important. And I use that word because, you know, there's a lot of information um, on the internet today. Kids, kids are, um, spend more time, you know, on their tablets and so on and so forth. So in different devices that they can pull up, you know, the, the guy, Eric Cressy, um, we've sent um, a few of our guys up. Um, he's now the strength coordinator for the New York Yankees. Um, so he's, he's a pretty knowledgeable guy. And, um, and his programs that we've had with our kids, um, they've kind of gone to that from, from some of their conditioning standpoint at practice. You know, you get, all, you get away from – you know, running around and, and doing pulls and doing laps and you get into kind of more athletic movement type stuff and explosive type stuff for their conditioning um, has been very beneficial for our guys. Yeah, Cressy's a beast. Yeah, I, I don't know him, but it seems like he's pretty successful. <laughs> I mean, he's got he's got a facility up here. He's got a facility in Florida, and he's also, you know, as you said, the director of. I don't know his exact title. I don't think he's the head strength and conditioning coach, but I over, I think he oversees the whole uh, sports performance yeah. uh, department. So he's overseeing the medical and the strength and conditioning side. So, shout out to him. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, what's the future hold for the AU teams, Pat? Um, well, like I said, I've done a few different interviews over the last month or so. And I think at the end of the day, you want to try to make sure that these kids are safe. Okay. Because, and you want to make sure that the parents are safe and the grandparents, and you have to take into account a few different generations, you know, with the stuff that's going on out there. It's just a totally different climate. Yeah. Right. Now that being said, we believe in baseball and softball and some in most other sports, you can do that. So, um, you know, I think this summer we'll, we'll get ourselves practicing maybe over the next two or three weeks here and get our games going maybe by July 1. Um, so our season's a little bit different. Normally it goes June 5th, 6th to, to August 5th or 6th. Now what we'll try to do is probably go all of July and in, in, in three weeks of August um, before they go back to school. Um, and hopefully that works out for the parents. I mean, we, we've been in pretty much – uh, weekly contact with, with the families to, to keep them abreast of what's going on. Um, and, I, and they've been very supportive. I mean, I haven't had anybody. We have over 100 kids in the program, and nobody has come back and said, you know, um, we don't want to play. Now, so The AAU tournament's still looking like they're going to be open and be held? Um. I'm not sure. I mean, every state's a little bit different. Um, you know, Rhode Island at one point had come out and said that they were canceling youth sports. Now there's tournaments in Rhode Island. Now do some of those people try to move the tournaments to a different state? That might happen. Um, you know, New Jersey, I'm not quite sure what they're doing. New York, you know, I think it's still kind of a wait and process. You know, it's going to be a progress. We're going to have some issues here with, with figuring out which state is going to say this is the date where you can play? Is you it know? almost as a possibility that you might just have to kind of throw a schedule together with whatever coaches are available and looking for games? Like you might have to put your own kind of mash your own schedule together? 
Yeah, we, we've thought about that. Um, there's enough teams in the state of Connecticut. I've talked to eight or ten different club teams, you know, travel teams, and we could just set up our own simple league mm. and just play each other. Because at the end of the day, you know, it's about getting out and practicing and playing, yeah. you know, more than anything. You know, traveling to New York and New Jersey, you know, if you wanted to stay overnight, you know, it's just kind of – it's sticky. It becomes a little bit more difficult for, for people, I think, to buy into that right now. Yeah. I think your parents would love it, love it if you just stayed in the state of Connecticut and not have to friggin' flip the bill for a hotel for the weekend. Yeah, I, I, that's a good point, Mark, and I've brought that up, and um, I think we're going to lean towards that. Um, I, I don't think we're going to be traveling. Historically, we go, you know, Virginia, we go all over the place, but I don't that's not going to happen this summer. We'll, we'll try to make sure we keep everybody safe and, um, you know, let this take its course. And, and hopefully by, uh, you know, next summer we can get ourselves back to normal. All right, great. Well, uh, why don't we leave it there for today? Oh, no, 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 I got more questions. Well, have at it, man. Have <laughs> right. at it. I Jump like in. It. <laughs> Jump in. I got more questions, damn it. You two have talked enough. Uh, <laughs> I'll stay quiet now. No, I'm good. It's all good. Um, you know, Pat, as uh, the recruiting coordinator and a coach of a successful program, what is it that you look for in a player outside of, obviously, the performance on the field? Like, what what are you bringing what, – what are you looking for? Um, because I think a lot, of, a lot of high school athletes don't understand it. It's more than just performance on the field or on the court that coaches are looking for. So as you're looking, as you're looking at, a, at a potential player uh, to come to Central Connecticut, what, what are you looking for outside of the, the performance side? Yeah, I look at a few different things. Um, you know, from an athletic standpoint, meaning baseball, but not actually the physical part, I look and see what type of teammate he is. Um, how he is to his teammates in the dugout, um, <clears throat> how he is maybe when he struggles a little bit. I, I, I try to get to the ballpark early or, and, and see how his preparation is, um, see how he interacts with his teammates. Um, that's what I look for that I think is really important that will make him a very good teammate, which I think um, culture in a program is extremely important. Um, I think it's right at the top of the list with athletic ability is the culture of how you treat your guys, how they treat each other and the expectations that they have um, to do things right. Um, I also look at, you know, you want to look at to see how they do academically, right? How they treat their mother. Um, yeah, I think it's really important as far as just, respecting others and, and, and people that you can count on um, and that they're reliable, you know, these are all really, really important things. And, and unfortunately in the recruiting process with, with, with it being so fast now, you got to really try to do your work. You got to call different coaches. You got to call the high school coach. You got to call the travel coach. Maybe, you know, you got to call a teacher. You got to, you got to figure out a way to find out, exactly who this kid is and whether baseball and academics are really, really important to him. 
Um, and you got to have a really good battery. I always go back to that. You got to have a good battery as an athlete. You got to have a good battery as a student um, because you're going to get tired when you're young. You know, it's, it's a matter of how healthy you're going to keep your body, you know, what you eat and what you do at night and how much sleep you get and all that other stuff. And how you treat people when you are tired. That's yeah, a big exactly. factor. That's well, I, I mean, I think, I think most. I thought you were going to shut up, Chris. <laughs> You're right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'd speak a little bit more on culture because, I mean, I, I, I would imagine that your team is a bunch of blue collar workers, like guys that aren't afraid to roll up their sleeves and get after it um, and put in the time and the effort. Um, is that set more by the coaching staff or by the players? And if somebody comes in and it doesn't really um, kind of get on board with the culture, what are the steps that are taken to make sure that that person becomes a better player, teammate, and a better person overall? Yeah, I mean, I think the expectations and the culture set by, you know, the head coach, Charlie Hickey's been there. A long time. Um, you know, he's won the most conference championships in the Northeast Conference um, since he's been there. You know, um, he was very successful at Providence prior to coming. Um, so he sets these expectations and um, the culture within the program and how, uh, you know, how to do things. And um, I think a lot of times when kids aren't used to a certain culture, you got to have patience. You know, they're still 18 years old and they've been doing something maybe slightly different, you know, their whole life maybe, or since they've been around athletics. So there has to be a grace period of trying to teach them of how we're going to do things and what has made us successful at the mid-major level. And if, they don't buy in after a couple of years, you know, we're not going to get rid of people in six months unless they, they do things that are just, nobody wants them to do. You got to have patience with these kids to teach them how you want to do things. And then in two years, maybe they don't want to do them that way, but more times than not, it's the kids within the program that are now seniors and juniors that say, no, this is going to be a little bit difficult when you're a freshman right? Or maybe into your sophomore year, but then all of a sudden it's going to start to click and you're going to start to understand. And then you're going to lead the guys that are underneath you. Would you, would you, as, as an incoming freshman, would you look to pair them up with like a, a, a senior or a junior? To yeah, we, we've historically done that. Um, sort of like a big brother type thing where, you know, we'll have a couple of the um, upperclassmen take a freshman um, and we tell them, if you have a question, you ask the upperclassman. Don't go to the coach and ask him. <laughs> and if the upperclassman can't answer the question or don't know the answer, then they'll come to, to myself or, or, you know, Robbie Bono is another assistant, or at the end they'll go to Charlie. Um, but there's a system set in place so that <clears throat> every time they have an issue, which there's going to be issues. I mean, they're kids. Um, both academically and athletically, is that they can communicate with an upperclassman first because a good chance he probably knows the answer because he's been through it. 
On, and, and I think I think the thing that you touched on with the recruiting process, and I think you were at Fairfield when this happened, there was a coach that was recruiting an athlete, and this was a sport where this, this individual was going to get a full scholarship. And the coach sat the young lady down with her mother at the end of a, a weekend recruiting trip and told them, I'm not recruiting you anymore. And the mom was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, listen, I've watched your daughter and how she talks to you, how she talks to my players and my assistant coach. And I'm not dealing with that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not recruiting your, your player. I'm not recruiting your daughter anymore. And I think athletes need to understand that when you're a rec- when you're being recruited, coaches just aren't looking at how you perform on the field. Yeah, that plays a huge part in it, but it's all the other uh, tangibles that you don't think are important that the coaches are looking at and 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 deciding if they want it, if they want you in their program for four years. I mean, because if you're if you're a jackass or a douchebag. Um, to like your mom and you, and you talk in a way to your parents, like, how are you going to talk to me as the head coach? And how are you going to talk to your teammates when something goes wrong? Yeah. And that's, that's where um, you, you have to try to do as much research as you possibly can on, um, on that, you know, kid that, that might be coming. The, the other thing I like to do is I don't, I don't, I don't wear, um, central Connecticut stuff when I'm out recruiting and when the game's over, sometimes I'll go like kind of snoop, <laughs> you know, I'll walk by the kid when he's having a conversation with his mother or his father and act like I'm going up to get something else or like I'm on the phone um, just to see how they interact. Because I think it's important in, in, in how they're going <clears> to, <throat> how they're going to interact with their teammates, how they're going to interact with the, with the school community in whole, right? How they're going to interact with their professors. All this type of stuff is so important in being a successful student athlete. Well, I think that's what the, the, the athletes need to understand. There's always eyes on you. Somebody is always watching you. I mean, not to make you, not to make you paranoid or anything, but like, you know, if you're being recruited by a school, they're going to do their work because they're going to invest in you for the next four years of, their, of, of your life and they need you to be able to be not only a good athlete, but a good person. Yeah, the schools and uh, the athletic programs are on a stage. If they do one thing wrong, it's going to be all over the news. So that's what they're going to, they're trying to avoid. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, you gotta, the other thing is, is, you know, everything's under a microscope today where maybe 15 years ago or 20 years ago, it, it wasn't, um, and, you know, kids are going to make mistakes. Let's, let's be real. Like they're not perfect. Um, adults aren't perfect. And sometimes um, you have to gauge what those mistakes are and whether they're things that, that, that how much remorse that the kid might have by making a mistake um, and the severity of the mistake. And then you need to look at it within your program and say, okay, you know, sometimes you don't have a choice. Sometimes the administration might say, you don't have a choice here and, you know, we're going to move in a different direction. Um, but I, I think, um, and, I, and, I, and I've gotten this from Charlie Hickey, is that you have to sometimes have patience with kids because of 
how they've been brought up or the life that they've lived or the things that they were taught. You're not going to change them in three months. Mm. That's all I got. <laughs> Good stuff, boys. Good stuff. Matt, anything else that you want to uh, lay on everybody that's listening? No, I just get in touch with you. Um, the best way to get in touch with me, you can either go to uh, ctbluejays.com or you can go to the Central Connecticut website and you can shoot me an email if you wanted to get in touch with me. just want to thank you guys um, for having me on today. You know, for Thanks the, for coming on, man. Yeah, the kids that are, are, are listening, you know, just get outside and, you know, try to run up and down a hill. Try to, you know, find somebody to play catch with. You know, try to shoot hoops in the, in the driveway. Uh, throw a football around, you know, dive in a pool, do something to keep yourself active, get away from your tablets and away from your devices. Um, and because I think you'll, you'll feel better about yourself mentally if you get outside and run around and get a good sweat in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Use this time as an opportunity, not as an excuse. Yep. That's right. Thank you, Patrick. All right, everyone. Thanks you for turning it. in. Pat, thanks for coming on, man. Good luck this season. And uh, check us out. Uh, we've got a YouTube channel now. Uh, we're on uh, all major podcasting sites, Spotify, uh, Apple. Uh, go to uh, www.athletehackers.com. And uh, we're going to have a site where you're going to be able to uh, search through and narrow down particular topics that uh, you may want to listen to. That's all for awesome. us. So if you if you have any questions, you can hit us up at info at athletehackers.com. If you have a topic that you want us to discuss or possibly be a guest on the podcast. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Great All job. right, everyone. Thanks for turning in. Peace. See you later, man. All Thanks, the best. Guys. God bless. Stay Take safe. Care, you too. See you. Bye.